enjoy the ride. Anyway, I want to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit this morning, baptism and the Holy Spirit in particular. And uh, how many people here have heard, uh, there's all sorts of, how do, I, how do I do this in a way that doesn't look bad? There's all sorts of uh, teachings in and around baptism of the Holy Spirit that people have been taught. Some people have been taught that speaking in tongues is actually evil. I won't ask you to put up your hand if you've ever been taught that, but it's evil. Uh, other people say it was from Jesus' time and it's not relevant now. Uh, all sorts of people have different views and understanding in regards to the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and some people turn around and say things like, if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, we'll, we'll debunk that myth in a moment because it's not true. Speaking in tongues is a sign. It's not the sign. And, uh, you know, it's not, we'll look at four things that show that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's really important that we understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. We also need to understand that it's not a command, but it's a gift. Right? You're with me this morning. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Jesus said this to the disciples, it's better that I go when he ascended to heaven so I can send you the Holy Spirit because he'll be your comforter, your teacher, and, and, and be the one that walks alongside you. He's, he's a gift to us. He's not a command to us. He's not an enforcement upon us. He's a gift to us. Some of the reason why the Holy Spirit is seen as a dove in Scripture is because, I don't know about you, but um, I've been to some bird sanctuaries. I've never had a dove sit on my shoulder, but I've had birds sit on my shoulders. Has anybody been to a bird sanctuary and you have birds sitting on you and you're kind of feeding them by hand and you feel like, you know, like you're Dr. Doolittle or something, you know, and you're just like, Whoa. But anybody knows that any sudden movement like that and that bird is gone. You're like, gone completely. You know, I, I can remember... Um, uh, when we went to this bird century and I was able to feed a peacock out of my hand and nobody else in the family could, so I was calling myself the peacock whisperer. And, uh, you know, all those really, really cool things. So the Holy Spirit is, you've got to be careful how you say that, eh? <laughs> uh, but he's a gift, he's not a command. However, however Christ does command us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not a command, he's a gift, but he commands us to be filled. In fact, in Ephesians 5.18, it says, hey, don't get drunk on wine, because that leads to craziness, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying, this is what you need to do. Now, one thing that you need to understand, you can be a Christian and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's okay, you'll still go to heaven, it's all good. You don't have to do this, I just think you'll be crazy not to. All right? Because I think that no matter what you believe about it, if you read the scriptures and you read the New Testament especially, Jesus intended that we would live empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we would have the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that we would be empowered. We're not going to look at this verse this morning, but it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says that you would be, can anybody tell me what it says? Come on Trinity, you should know. It talks about there that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be endued or enveloped in power. The word is dunamis. It's like dynamite power. It's, it's God's intention that you don't just get saved, but then you walk a life of power. How many people here could do with some more power 
in your life. I, I could do some more power in my life. And so it's the intention. And so when we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, it means a complete immersion in the Holy Spirit. A complete. Remember last week we talked about water baptism means completely immersed. You go into the water completely covered. Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same principle, that you are completely and totally immersed in the Holy Spirit and therefore endured with power to be able to live out your life. And that's a really cool thing. Look at this in Acts Chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. We'll have to do a little bit of teaching this morning, and then we'll get into some good stuff. Not that teaching's bad. It says this, On one occasion, while they were eating with him, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, that is John the Baptist, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, Hey, hey, this is, remember, this is his last meal with them. Whenever you have a last meal with someone or last moments with someone, usually what they tell you is incredibly important to understand what it is that you're meant to do. And he's saying, hey, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I, I know you've been baptized in water, but this is the other baptism. This has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to leave there until it happens. The crazy thing about the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit does come is tongues of fire on each and every one of them and they end up speaking in tongues and 3,000 people come to Christ in one day because of it. The crazy thing about it is when they first went into that upper room there was 144 people. But slowly but surely during the wait some left and it ended up being significantly less people in the upper room when the Holy Spirit come. But his command was just wait, don't move, don't go anywhere until this happens because you need this. And in Acts 1.8 says, now you can be my witnesses to all of the world, you know, to Samaria, to Judea, to everywhere. Because you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you now have the ability to do the job that's ahead of you. I don't know about you, but I can't do what it is that God has called me to do without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in my life. So let's just have a look at what happens uh, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to give you the four um, indicators that says that you've had an encounter or you've had an infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because some of you have been prayed for before, and some of you do speak in tongues, some of you don't speak in tongues, and there's been this really bad teaching, in my opinion, uh, especially around Pentecostal circles and evangelical circles, that that unless you speak in tongues, then you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it is a sign of, and we will talk about that, but it is not the sign. Okay, there are four things, four attributes that happen in your world when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready to hear them? All right, I know we don't have many here this morning as everybody decided to go away for the long weekend, but the best people are here. So the first thing is, this, it talks about fire, fire. You know, I can remember when I was uh, doing uh, Youth New Christians, and we used to sing this song called Fire Fall Down, Fire Fall Down, Fire Fall Down from Heaven, and I can remember one of the brand new Christians and youth looking up like this all the time, thinking that fire was going to come down and consume him. The fire we talk about here that the Bible talks about is not a literal fire that comes out of heaven and consumes everything, although God can do that. The fire it's speaking of here is a fire that comes and cleanses our hearts, that comes and refines our values, and it gives us a passion for God. 
In fact, I think it's really hard to be passionate for Him or to be refined or to be cleansed unless we've been filled with the Holy Spirit because we need that to be able to do what it is that we're called to do. For us to go from strength to strength and glory to glory requires a refinement and the Holy Spirit does that. Listen to this in Luke 3.16. It says, John answered them all, I baptize with water, but one more powerful than I will come, speaking of Jesus, the thongs or the sandals or the jandals, I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. So he's saying that when he comes, one of the signs that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is that a cleansing and a refining and a passion for God comes like you've never had before. Is that cool? Number two is speaking in tongues. That is one of the signs. It's not the sign, but it's one of the signs. And speaking in tongues basically means this, is that you get a spiritual language that God gives you that you can't work out in your head. It flows from your spirit. Don't look at me like that. It says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Everyone say one place. And it says, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It's really, really funny how the Bible says this. That suddenly, like all of a sudden from nowhere, this thing happened and no one was expecting it. Yet Jesus had said, go to Jerusalem and wait for this to happen. And then when you go back 600 years earlier in the book of Joel, Joel prophesies that this is going to happen. There's nothing sudden that happens in the kingdom of God. It's not like God sits up in heaven going, oh, didn't see that coming. He sees everything. He knows everything. He knows what's coming. He planned for this day long before it even came into existence. And they said, then they saw what seemed to be, they weren't literally, they seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each of them. And all of them were what? All of them were with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as what the Spirit enabled them. There's a couple other scriptures that I could share with you, but because of time, we won't, but I'll give you the references. Acts 10, to 46. Acts 10, to 46. And Acts 19, verse 6. And so speaking in tongues is a spirit of God enablement. It's not something that you can work out in your head. And that's sometimes why people struggle to do it, because they're trying to, you know, when you speak English, you formulate the words in your brain before you speak them out of your mouth. I know some of you think your children's brains are disconnected from the words that come out of their mouths, but they literally have to form the words in their brain before they speak. Some of you think your husband's brain is disconnected because of some of the things that he says to you. <laughs> can, can you get a sense of humor this morning, please? I don't know about you, but I don't put my foot in it. I put both feet, legs, arms... The whole shooting box. Anybody else with me this morning? Wives, you're not meant to elbow your husbands in the ribs. It's not a good thing. But basically, as the Holy Spirit came and filled them, that they began to speak in tongues, which is a heavenly language, or other languages as the Spirit of God enabled them. And if you read on in this story, and I encourage you to look into it for yourself, but if you read on in the story of the day of Pentecost, what actually happens is that as they start speaking in tongues, there are 
uh, people there from all different parts of the world who actually turned around and said, how, how are they speaking in my language? I understand and they're speaking fluent. How cool would that be that, that when you go and travel for Europe, rather than having to learn how to speak French and Italian, you just say, Holy Spirit, can you help me out here? And you can just, bonjour, s'il vous plaît. And you just start, how cool would that be? So, so it is, speaking in tongues is a sign uh, along with a cleansing and a refining and a purifying and a passion for God. The third thing when you feel the Holy Spirit that happens is boldness. To speak without fear or hesitation. A boldness comes to your life. You know, I think that that's something that we really need in our lives, especially in this world, because the minute you speak up about something in this world, you get accused of being judgmental, intolerant, uh, a bigot, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. The minute you say, disagree with somebody's opinion, all of a sudden you're, it's hate speech. And, and so there's a real uh, thing in society today to, to kind of shut down the voice of the church, to close it down. To, to just say, hey, you just need to accept everything that's going on. And I've said this before and I say it again. When I grew up, and I was talking to Ken about this this morning, when I grew up, to be tolerant of somebody was to love them despite their stupid, no, just to love them no matter what's going on in their life, yes? That you, you tolerate their behavior or the, their choices because that's what we do and we, we're nice to people. Nowadays, tolerance means you have to accept everything about that person whether you like it or not. That's not what tolerance is. How many people know that Jesus is tolerant? He tolerated us while we were still in sin. He didn't love the sin, but he loved the sinner. Are you with me? And you can love somebody even though you don't agree with their lifestyle, and that has not been judgmental. That has just been you. Just like when our kids do something naughty, we still love them even though we don't love what they've done. Are you with me this morning? And too many people, because they have no value in their creator, when you disagree with their actions, they treat it as a rejection because what they do is who they are when we know that who we are is who he has done for us. And so we're not defined by our actions, we're defined by his actions and our value is in what he has done for us, not on what I do. But anybody that doesn't have their value in Christ, their value is in their works and what they do. And so the minute you attack what they do or their behavior, or not attack it, disagree with it, you're now disagreeing with me, who I am as a person. Does that, does that make sense? All right, don't know why I said that. But in Acts 4, 31, it says this, after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Everyone say boldly. It's crazy because what they did is they got these guys a little later on in the book of Acts, and they brought them before the Sanhedrin or the religious, religious leaders of the day, and, and they told them, if you keep on speaking about Jesus like this, we're going to kill you. And they're like, sweet ass. They just had a boldness about them that doesn't come other than the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you, I've always had this thought, what would I do if I was in a situation on the mission field where I was faced with life or death? You know, we'd all like to think that we do the whole, it's okay, 
Jesus is with me. But I have a feeling that if bullets were flying around my head, I'd be like, ah! yeah? But these guys had a boldness about them. I remember once when I was about eight years of age going with my dad out to a farm just outside of Taronga because a woman in our church had rang up and said, you need to come, my husband is lost the plot. Now, it's a light, it's a bit of an understatement. What she meant was, my husband's running around, I've locked myself in the house because he's running around with a butcher's knife trying to stab me. That's what was happening. So dad thinks, oh, can't leave you at home, I'll take you with me. We turn up at the farm, hop out of the car, both of us, to find this guy who was about six foot four and the size of an outhouse running towards us with his butcher's knife above his head saying all sorts of things about what he was going to do to us. My dad, if you don't know, he's like about this tall. They, he applied to be an Oompa Loompa in the, in the um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but he was too short. He ended up being a minion instead. But he's just this little guy. I'm eight, okay? I'm eight. Let's just say that I was beyond wearing nappies, but I needed one. Because I'm absolutely crapping myself. Can I say that in church? I'm, yeah. And, and I'm just like, I'm just just, I'm just in fear, stuck. And my little wee dad, as this big guy comes, it would have been about from here to Trinity away, this guy's running towards, and dad points at him and goes, stop, in Jesus' name. You guys stopped, I'm like, what the heck? And then somebody says, come out, in Jesus' name. This guy manifests, drops to the ground, ends up crying, dad leads him to Christ. And this guy has this incredible miracle transformation. Meanwhile, I'm still standing in the spot where I was behind him going. <laughs> it's a boldness that the Spirit of God puts upon you when you're filled with Him. The fourth thing is joy. Joy, happy, delighted. The Bible says this in Acts 13:52, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I look at some Christians some days and I think, you need an encounter with the Holy Ghost because you look like you're sucking on lemons, not breathing in the Holy Spirit, if you know what I mean, yeah? They're scared to smile in case their face cracks. And so we get up here and we talk about how awesome Jesus is, but our face is, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And so what we've got to do is we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that there's a joy, there's a boldness, there's this cleansing, there's this refining, there's this passion for God that people see and they go, wow, what is it that's in your life? Because they want it because they see you on fire. And I want to tell you something, nothing draws people quicker. Nothing grabs people faster than a fire. Eh? That's why we love Guy Fawkes. It's not for the, I don't love all the fireworks. I love the bonfires. You You stand around them all night and there's just heat coming off them and you wait for them to dry down a bit and get in there and burn your marshmallows and eat them anyway. And, you know, it's just there's something. If there's a fire on a street, everybody comes out of their house to watch the fire. In fact, uh, one of the fathers of our faith says 
said, um, you know, if I could do anything, I'd get 12 men, set them on fire for God, and then watch the world come and watch them burn. There's something that happens when the Holy Spirit infills us, and tongues is a sign, it's not the sign, and we were going to pray for you later for that to happen to you, but it's not the sign, but I want to explain the significance of speaking in tongues for you, that it's a spiritual language, it's supernaturally received, and it's exercised for every single individual. So what do I mean when I say speaking in tongues? In case you don't know what it sounds like, here's the crazy thing, everybody here that speaks in tongues speaks in tongues differently, right? But let me just give you a snippet of, of what it sounds like when it comes out of my mouth. Is that all right? So when, when I, this is the, the language that, that God has given me. So when I speak in tongues, it sounds like this. That's kind of how it goes. Now that doesn't start here, it starts in here. It starts in my spirit. I have no idea what it means. And the great thing about tongues is that the devil and the demonic realm have no idea what it means either, but God hears it. It's a great thing. It's an awesome thing. It's not like natural communication. Tongues is conceived out of a person's spirit, not out of their mind. It bypasses your mind and it comes straight from your spirit as the Holy Spirit gives you the ability. And if you want a reference for that, it's Acts chapter 2 verse 4. Jesus predicted, for those people that say tongues is of the devil, that it's evil. Well, Jesus predicted that his disciples would speak in new tongues in Mark 16, verse 17. The book of Acts contains a record of different groups of people and individuals who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in spoken tongues. And the recording of all of these instances indicates that speaking in tongues is a normal manifestation and a evidence that one has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever been taught that speaking in tongues is evil and of the devil and all that sort of stuff, friend, Jesus endorsed it. Jesus encouraged his disciples to go and wait until it happened to them. This is, a, this is not a, the Holy Spirit is a gift, but Jesus commands us to be filled. And so anybody that teaches otherwise is not teaching you correct theology. What's theology? It's about understanding what the Bible really means. Are you with me this morning? So why, why is it important to speak in tongues? Why is it something that we should go after? In fact, the Bible says this, that we should eagerly desire or, or absolutely pursue with our whole hearts all the spiritual gifts. Speaking in tongues is one of the spiritual gifts, but prophecy is another spiritual gift. Working of miracles is another spiritual gift. Words of knowledge is another spiritual gift. Discernment is another spiritual gift. I tell you, if there's one spiritual gift you want in your life, it's discernment. You want to be able to discern situations. You want to be able to discern circumstances, especially if you're a business person. You want to discern. You want a spirit of discernment about you so that you can discern whether this is a good uh, tender to go after or this is a good contract to go for or whether that's a bad contract to go for. I can remember when I worked for Deutz and I was a general manager for New Zealand, I can remember my boss in Melbourne going, why aren't we going after this contract? I said, because I really feel like it'll be a bad idea. What do you mean you feel like it? Because I, I, he wasn't a Christian. I'm saying, I just, I just feel like this would not be a good idea. What does that mean? And I'm thinking, oh God, I'm going to explain to him. 
I said, well, you know, I'm a Christian, yeah. I prayed about it, and I felt like God said to me, don't do this contract. Oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. All right, what do you want me to do then? You're the boss. I want you to go after the contract. All right, cool. So I go after the contract. It became such a shambles that we ended up losing half a million dollars on the contract. And then he rings me up. Why did you go for that contract? Um, because you, you know, I have an email here of you instructing me to go after it. And my email response saying, I felt it was a bad idea. Would you like me to resend those emails to you so you can remember? Oh, that's right. That was that one that you reckon God told you not to go after. And I said, yeah. And that's why we lost $500,000. And if you listen to me, we wouldn't have. A discernment is a really important gift to have. But what we're looking at here is just the gift of speaking in tongues. And so the purpose of the gift of spiritual language is fourfold. First one is, is that it helps us to communicate with God. It helps us to communicate with God. In fact, uh, I probably pray in tongues, or not probably, I do, pray in tongues more than I pray in English. Because sometimes I don't know what to say to God. Is anybody with me here this morning? I don't know how to pray about my situation. I don't know how to pray about my circumstance. You know, I, I know when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, I knew to pray and break the cancer and all that, but I really didn't know any other way to pray other than when I thought about my dad, I'd just speak in tongues and I let my spirit speak on my behalf. And you know what? He, he's, he had a um, scan and everything while I was down there and he's all clear now, which is just awesome. Um, yeah. But it helps us to communicate with God through prayer, for our prayer time. You know, if you run out of, man, what do I say next? I don't know what to do. Just start speaking in tongues. Uh, you know, let your, your spirit know. The Bible, in fact, says that when you don't know what to pray, the spirit makes utterances. You know, it just prays for you. It's just brilliant. It's like somebody cooking dinner for you every night. You don't have to do any work. This is amazing. And so there's a bunch of scripture references there for you. The other way he helps us communicate with God is through prayer, praise and worship. You know, when we're having a worship time in church, just about all the time, I, I just worship in tongues. I just, and, and because sometimes I feel like our language is so limited in what I want to say to him. And, and if you know me, you know that I'm um, uh, articulate challenged. Should we put it that way? Uh, so I don't even know what half the big words that I use mean. Is anybody with me? Trinity used to say to me all the time, you're incorrigible. So I had an idea of where that word should be used and in what circumstance, but I had no idea what it meant. And then one day she was saying something to me and said, Trinity, you're incorrigible. She says, you don't even know what that means. No, I don't. I have no idea what it means. Yeah, it's funny, the other day, don't say anything to Seth about this, I'll kill you. Um, but he's, he's been a little bit of a brat, as sometimes 11-year-olds can be, and Trinity said to him, you self-entitled little snot, I think it was. Um, and he burst into tears, majorly crying, big crying going on. And she goes, what's your problem? All I did was say something to you. He goes, you called me self-entitled. And he's crying and crying and crying. And Trinity goes, do you even know what that means? No. <laughs> That's me. And so 
So I don't know what to say, or I don't have the language or the vocabulary, so I speak in tongues. Is that cool? Second thing that it does, speaking in tongues, it builds your spirit life. It builds your spirit life. It builds up your spirit on the inside of you. There's some scripture references there for you to have a look at. But what it does is it builds the spirit man on the inside of you. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest healing evangelists that ever walked the face of the planet, says, I never pray in tongues for more than 15 minutes, and I never go more than 15 minutes without praying in tongues. You got the idea of what I'm saying? He said, I I just do it all the time because I'm building my spirit man. I'm building, there's stories about guys like Charles Finney who spent time just praying in tongues and then he decided to go and visit a lady that was in his church who worked in a factory and as he walked into the factory, all the factory workers dropped to their knees crying out to God as he walked past them. How cool is that? And he's just going in to visit and ended up leading the whole factory to Christ. There's something powerful that happens in your spirit, man, as you speak in tongues. It builds you up. You know, I may look like a chubby guy in the natural, and it's hard to believe. But I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger in the spirit. And I'm just glad that when I get to heaven, the Bible says that we get a new body. I'm going to have one that looks like Arnie. And all those people that say horrible things to me, you're going to end up looking like Fat Albert. And so it builds something in the spirit. Yes, it builds your spirit, man. It flexes the muscles in the spirit. If you want to get strong in the natural, you pump some weights. If you want to get strong in the spirit, you speak in tongues. Come on, you start doing it. I'll tell you what, man, as soon as I start doing it, I feel something in my spirit just goes, woo, this is my place. This is my jam. This is what I like. And it starts to transition. The third thing is, is it helps to reveal the mysteries of God to us. Mysteries of God. I use tongues all the time when it comes to preparing to speak because sometimes I read scripture that I feel like that God is putting on my heart. I have no idea what it means. And so I can look at all the commentaries and I can look at what all the theologians believe or sometimes I just spend time just speaking in tongues, looking at the verse, just speaking in tongues and slowly but surely the Holy Spirit starts to reveal to me what that scripture means. I don't know about you, but maybe you read your Bible and you're just like, man, it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe if you pray in tongues beforehand, before you read, then ask God to reveal it to you, that as you read it, it'll come to life before your very eyes. The other thing it reveals to me is the mysteries of God's heart. Because scripture doesn't show everything about God. In fact, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will teach you. I'm not saying that you should just completely and totally rely on that. You need to read your word and reading books is good and attending conferences and being here on Sunday and hearing things is really, really awesome. But there's an element to our Christian walk where the Holy Spirit teaches us. He shows us. He reveals God's heart to us. And just about every major decision I've made in my life has come as a result of time and prayer where I've been speaking in tongues and God put something, uh, just put something in my head or something in my heart that I feel that I'm meant to do, all right? And the fourth thing is, is it releases power within us. Releases power within us. Releases power within us. As I said earlier in Acts 1.8, it says, and you shall be endured with power, dunamis power, power. It releases the power of God in us. Not just in us, but in our situations. 
Are you with me this morning? It's really a powerful thing and a powerful tool that get, and a powerful gift that God has given us, especially if you're like me and you don't really understand everything, but you know, if I do this, things are going to change. Things are going to shift. I don't understand how it works. I don't need to understand how it works. I just need an outcome. Yeah? Some of you don't get the outcomes you want or the miracles you want because you want to work it out. You want to understand how it has happened. You want to understand why you're in the circumstance you're in. You want to understand it all. Friend, you can spend your whole life trying to work out why things have happened to you, or you can spend your whole life working out what God wants to do through it. See, when we went to plant a church in Wellington, we were four weeks away from planting the church when Trinity ended up in hospital here in Auckland in a very serious condition. We had to pull out of planting the church in Wellington, going there because we really felt that's what God wanted us to do. We had scriptures and prophetic words and all sorts of stuff that this is what we're meant to do. Then I was out of work for 18 months, and because I was out of work for 18 months, how many people know that bills that were manageable when you're working become unmanageable when you're not working? So we got sent to debt collectors and blacklisted and... And I can remember sitting back going, what the is that all about? And I, I spent years trying to work out why did God do, this is my thinking, why did God do that to me? That's a stupid thought in the first place. But if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here. I don't need to understand why that happened. I just need to understand that God used it to change the direction of my life. And God used it to change the direction of our marriage. And so that's what I need to understand, is what God did through it, not why it happened. Are you with me this morning? All right. So how can I receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing is, is you, you have to be born again. You have to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's really probably the first step and the only step that you really need to understand. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you've never invited him to be your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. But that's the first thing that you need to do. You, you can't get baptism of the Holy Spirit Without it. In fact, there's a story about Simon the sorcerer who tried to pay Paul money to be able to do it. And, and Paul rebuked him and said, what you need to do is give your life to Christ first, then we can do this. And so it's really, really important that you understand you've got to be saved first. The second is, you must ask for it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't impose himself on you. In fact, God is a gentleman. God never imposes himself on you either. You've got to ask for it, and you've got to, and asking for it, you've got to understand that God wants to do it for you. I don't know about you, but we're getting close to Christmas, yes? Yeah? So we're nine weeks away from Christmas or something? <laughs> Someone's like, shh. Nine weeks away from Christmas? How many people here have had a list from your children already of what they want? I, I know Isaac's not here today, but I know that uh, Isaac has a list. In fact, I've seen it from Claudia, and it 
grows and changes, and it started about three months ago, I think. She, st- she got an early, man. Six months in advance, planning out what she wants for Christmas, asking for it. How many parents here, when you look at that list, you want to give your child every single thing that they've asked for? You want to do that. I, I want to. Madison, I want to give you a MacBook Pro. You're not going to get one, but I want to. I want to. How many people just... Just getting off subject a little bit. How many parents here this morning have just had their children get their learner's license this year? Put your hand up. How many of them have already asked you for a car? (laughs) I want to give them a car. I'm not going to give her a car yet, but I want to. Yes? Trinity says she's not getting a car until I get a new car. God, you have to understand that you have to ask for it, but that God wants to give it to them. God wants to do this. It's not like God says, hey, this will be really good for you, but I'm going to make it really hard for you to get it. Carrot in front of the horse. He's not like that. He wants to give it to you. Listen to this in Luke chapter 11. It says, for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be open." Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Some of us, because we think that'll be funny, eh? (laughs) Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, thank you, Jesus, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. And really what Jesus is saying here is like, man, if you as a dad know how to give good gifts to your kid, then he is God. Man, how much better is he at it than we are? To give freely of the Holy Spirit for all those who ask for it. Number three, you must expect to receive it. Expect to receive it. It says in Acts 19 verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, which is what we'll do this morning, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So you've got to expect that something's going to happen. Expectation to me is the catalyst for a lot of things in our lives, especially when we come on a Sunday morning. If you come a heart that's expectant, God will do something. But if you just rock up, I hope today's all right, then there's no expectancy about your world. I don't know a kid that comes to Christmas unexpected of a Christmas present. They come with full expectations that are way beyond our means, yes? Number four is you must act in faith. John 7, 38 to 39 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit of God, whom those who believe in him were later to receive up to that time, the Spirit had not been given as Jesus had not been glorified. What, what he's really saying there is that they hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that time because Jesus had not ascended to heaven. All right? When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, but that's a separate thing to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number five, you need to speak out as the Holy Spirit gives you words. This is the hardest part, I think, Uh, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because you can't do it here. 
you've just got to just start praising God and just, it just happens. I can't explain it any other way than it just happens. It just comes out of you. Number six, the key thing is, I think, and this is the most important thing, is that once you have it, as small or as large amount of words that God has given you, you need to exercise it and use it every single day and believe God will increase that flow that he talks about as you use it. And so the key here is simply just to step out in faith, relax, you know, just be relaxing about it and have a spirit of expectation. You can't force this to happen, yeah? You know, I see some people, they come out for prayer for this and they're like, they look like they're constipated, not receiving. And it's just like, you just, just relax, take a deep breath, you know, and just let God do what God does. John 7 says, you know, as we read earlier, that he who believes me will have streams of living water. This is what God wants to do. It's not something that he, uh, is a suggestion, it's what he wants to do. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an overflow of life that comes out of you. It's a greater intensity of the Spirit of God. And it's evident in a person that is Spirit-filled because when you're Spirit-filled, you have a passion for God like nothing else. There's a refining and a cleansing. Yes, some will speak in tongues, but if you don't speak in tongues, it's not the end of the world because there's a refinement, a cleansing, there is a passion for God, there is a boldness and there is a joy that comes that just doesn't come any other way. There is an outflow that comes into a believer's life. And the cool thing about this whole thing, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is what it does is it lifts us from looking at things from an earthly perspective and we start to see things from God's perspective. A faith comes like we've never seen before. And so we start to speak into situations instead of about them. Yeah? It's something that really, really comes that is incredibly cool. I'll just get the musicians and the singers to come. And I just want everyone just to close your eyes.